in this series, going verse by verse through some of the more overlooked, forgotten books of the New Testament, we spent five weeks in Jude talking about fighting for faith. We spent two weeks in Philemon talking about forgiving with love. We've spent three weeks in Second and Third John. Today's the fourth in uh, in Second and Third John talking about truth, how we fellowship and we connect, we get together, sure, but we do that in truth. There is a truth, a singular, absolute truth that binds us together, right? And so we've been talking about that. Um, and we've, so, we, so far, we've talked about truth and love. We, then we talked about truth and lies. Then last week, we talked about truth and legacy. If you missed any of that, make sure you get it online, grab the podcast off of iTunes, and catch up in this series because I believe that the Lord has been gracious to us this summer to speak to us through these books. Today we're talking about the truth, or we're talking about truth and leadership. So if you have your Bible, you can grab it, head over to 3 John, that's where we'll be today. If you don't have a Bible, uh, use your phone or your tablet, go to YouVersion Bible app, click on event, and you'll have all of our notes and all of our uh, stuff that you need to follow along. You can also follow along in the bulletin, we would love for you to do that. And I'm going to try something different today. I thought I'd try something different. Is that okay with everybody? Um, Who's up for something different today? Okay, remember, because if you don't like it, you were up for it, all right? Um, So I'm going to have a guest help me out um, for a little bit, and then I'm going to come up after he's done and kind of wrap up the series. Is that cool with everybody? Everybody cool with that? Doesn't matter. I've got the face mic. All right, let's do it. Hey, how's it going? Sorry, I was just finishing up a sentence there. I'm writing letters again. I've just been writing a ton of letters lately. Seems like all I do is, is write letters. I never thought that it would be like this. I was a fisherman before Jesus called me. And I bet if I knew everything that was going to happen, I would have just stayed mending my nets that day with my brother James and my dad Zebedee. I probably wouldn't have followed him, but he already had Peter and Andrew in tow, and I thought, if they think he's good enough to follow, maybe I should follow him. And there was just something about him. I can't really explain it. It, I just could not follow this new rabbi, this new teacher, this Jesus. But 60 years has passed since then. And a lot has happened. I'm the last apostle. Everybody else is dead. Apostle. That's what they call me anyways. It means sent one, which I get, but I don't think I'll ever think of myself as anything other than a disciple. A follower of Jesus. Because I never really thought of myself as a leader, really. I was the youngest disciple, the youngest of the 12, and I always thought the leading would be for Peter. I mean, Jesus was like, on this rock, Peter, I build my church. It was kind of dramatic, a little over the top for me. But I thought Peter's going to be the one who leads the church. You should have seen the way he walked after that, (laughs) the way he talked. It was ridiculous. But now... Now I'm leading. I've been leading for decades. 
And I'm leading all these churches in Ephesus and around Ephesus. And the movement that is following Jesus has just spread and spread. And, and to be honest, I thought, I thought that they understood. I didn't know it would be this way. I thought that we would just teach what Jesus taught us and everything would be okay. But I've learned that it's a lot more complicated than that. That there are all these false teachers and false prophets and false teaching and it's just so hard. So I'm writing again. This time I'm writing to my spiritual son, Gaius. I have no greater joy than to hear that my sons, my children, are walking in the truth. Gaius is dealing with this guy named Diotrephes. I know, ridiculous name, right? Can't stand this guy. He's dealing with all this drama in his church, and this guy Diotrephes is causing all these troubles. And so I need to go there. I need to go talk with them. I need to go help him. I need to lead him out of this. But things are getting out of hand. So I just thought I'd write a quick note, just a little note to kind of go ahead of me. It'll probably just be read once and tossed. I bet nobody ever reads it again, you know. I mean, it's not going to be long enough for any of you to read it, right? And so I'm just going to write a tiny little note and, and send it ahead, and then I'll go, and hopefully it'll help. I never thought that I'd be a leader. I never thought of myself as a leader or a rabbi or a teacher. But what I've come to think is that leadership is, is not so much about position or title or leverage or authority. It's... It's more about influence. Leadership is, is influence. All of us have been given influence over somebody, right? It could just be three or four family members or friends, or it could be three or 4,000 people in and around Ephesus, this huge network of churches. But all of us have been given influence over people. Leadership is just, is just influence, Gaius has influence in the church. That's why I'm writing to him, but so does Diotrephes. Influence can go both ways. It could be evil or it could be good. It could be for God or it could be for man. It could go either way. And also, it goes two ways in that all of us are influencers, all of us lead, but all of us are also led, right? You might not realize it, you might not want to admit it, but all of us are influenced by somebody. Somebody in our life influences us. We're all leaders and followers. We're all apostles to some and disciples of others. I guess what I'm trying to say is I think you need to be careful how you lead and be careful how you're led. Yeah. Be careful how you lead. That's pretty good. I'm going to write it down. Because I'm always writing these letters and I'm just always asking the Holy Spirit to help me give me things to send these churches. So be careful how you lead and how you're led. Yeah, that was good. Thank you, Jesus. I'm almost done with this letter. You want to hear what I wrote so far? All right. There's just all this drama and this diatrophies guy. God, I can't stand him. He's just messing up. He's messing with my letters. 
He won't give my letters to other people. He gets them and he rips them up and he throws them away and he won't let other people read them. It's just ticking me off. But let me just read you what I wrote him so far. I wrote Gaius. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wanna, want to and puts them out of the church. So who knew it would be this hard, right? Who knew it would be this hard? There's so much opposition coming against us, and I know a lot about opposition. I'm the last one. I'm the last apostle. Did I already say that? It's just that they're all gone, murdered, executed, martyred. My brother James, Peter, Peter was crucified. They wanted to crucify him like Jesus, but he wouldn't let him. He said he wasn't worthy, and so they crucified him upside down. It was horrifying. They're all gone. And to be honest, I'm ready to go home too. I hope Jesus comes back soon. I'm ready to go be with the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm rambling like the old man that I am. I was telling you about Diotrephes and Gaius and all that's going on in their church. It's just that I found that leading in truth breeds opposition. You'd think that if you led in truth, that God would open things up and it'd be a lot easier, right? You'd think that if you followed God in truth and you stuck to the truth and you didn't compromise, that Jesus would make it easy and that things would go your way and that you would be blessed. But it's not that way. Leading in truth will produce opposition in your life. There will be opposition to leading in truth. And I should have known that, right? I mean, that's what you guys are thinking. Like, well, he should have known it. Because I remember the time that Jesus said, he looked at us 12 really closely and he just said, people are going to hate you for me because of me. People are going to hate you because of me. I mean, I should have known that we would have this opposition. I, I should have known. And, and the apostle Paul, he he, he wasn't with Jesus like we were, but God gave him all this ability and all this wisdom and, and all this power and made him an apostle, different than us, but still an apostle. And he wrote a lot of letters, just like I do. He liked to write letters, and he died. But before he died, he wrote this one thing that I, I don't think I'll ever forget. He said, all who seek to lead a godly life will be persecuted. All who desire to live in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I'll never forget that. I hope some of his letters stuck around. I don't know. I hope some of the Apostle Paul's letters made it because he just had a way of writing. There's this one time too where we were ministering and with Jesus and Jesus was always 
there for people. He always had time for people. He never was in a hurry. He always had time to heal and to teach and to lead and to help. And that's just the way he was. But well, there was this one time we were healing and administering to people for hours and hours. And it was a little different this time because there were so many people there, just a multitude of people. And they were pressing on us and we'd been working so long. And I remember Peter and my brother James and me kind of rallying up the other nine disciples and some of the other followers of Jesus and we're trying to keep the crowd back because it's pressing on Jesus and we're just worried that the rabbi is going to be trampled. And I remember in all of that there's just this there was this lull. And Jesus got our attention and he looked at us. Oh, I miss the way he looked at us. He looked at us and he said, "Blessed are the poor." Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who weep. Blessed are you when people hate you, revile you, defame you, exclude you on account of the Son of Man. For your reward in heaven will be great. And I'll be honest, I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, what? How could you be blessed for all those things? That doesn't make any sense. But I looked over at Peter, and just like always, he's just shaking his head, just nodding like he's got it, right? So I wasn't going to be the one who was the idiot asking the question, right? So I just nodded right along with him, like, yeah, Jesus, we get it. And then he said this. I'll never forget it. He said, woe to you who are rich now. Woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who are wealthy now, who have what you need now. Woe to you who laugh now. Woe to you when everybody talks well of you. Because this is all the reward you're ever going to get. Jesus knew that we were going to be persecuted. Jesus knew that life wasn't going to be easy for us 12. He knew that. He tried to, tried to prepare us for that. What about you, though? What about, what about you? When was the last time that, that you were persecuted? When was the last time that you were reviled, excluded, defiled, defamed, persecuted for how loud you live your life for Jesus. Trust me, take it from a guy who was with Jesus for a long time. You don't want to be put into Jesus' woe category, okay? You don't want to be in that category. Living the easy life, having it easy, all people speaking well of you, it's not worth it. It's not, it's not worth compromising the truth. I'm sorry. <laughs> you caught me rambling again. I've been doing that in my old age. I was telling you about diatrophies and Gaius and that situation. It just makes me so mad when people come against the truth. It just makes me so mad when, when we have this opposition and people like Diotrephes who are in the church are causing all of these problems. And, and I've mellowed out a lot since I was young. I mean, I used to be pretty harsh. 
I used to be pretty brash in, in my youth. I mean, as far as disciples go, you, you didn't want to really mess with me and my brother James, okay? You just didn't really want to do that. I've mellowed out a lot, but sometimes I can be pretty harsh. Like Jesus even had a, had a nickname for us, Sons of Thunder. Pretty cool, right? Actually, it wasn't. Like, there was this one thing I, I've never been able to lead. I've never been able to live down. And I, I couldn't live it down with Peter. He brought it up all the time, that jerk. But there was this one time we were on the way to Jerusalem, and it was getting to be night, and so we wanted to stop in this Samaritan vi- village. And it was just to spend the night, get something to eat, and get up and go the next morning. I remember the Lord was very, very focused on getting to Jerusalem. And so he sent some of us ahead to make arrangements, just get a room, get some food, things like that. And we went to the Samaritan village, and we weren't going to be able to stay and, and minister. We weren't going to be able to stay and have Jesus teach. We just had to kind of one night and then get up and go to Jerusalem because the Father had things for us to do there. And as we told this, these Samaritans about that, they, they got offended. They got mad. And they wouldn't let us stay in their village. Can you believe that? They wouldn't let us. This is, our, this is three years with Jesus already at this time. This is, people know him. They knew him. And they wouldn't let us stay there. It ticked me off. And it made James mad too. And so we went back to Jesus. And by this time, we had seen all these amazing things happen through Jesus. And even we had healed and set free and cast out demons in his name. We had seen that the sky's the limit, that nothing's impossible for Jesus. And so we went back to Jesus and we said, Jesus, you want us to, you want us to call fire from heaven down on these fools? You want us to barbecue them? Let's have a Samaritan barbecue right now. Because we'll do it. We got your back, Jesus. He wants to do it. We'll do it. I mean, we were kind of like bodyguards. You know what I mean? We were kind of like bouncers. And we were about to bounce these Samaritans right out of the way with fire from heaven. (laughs) When I think about myself back then, I can't believe how proud I was, how over the top I was, son of thunder. Jesus, of course, rebuked us told us that really wasn't what he wanted to do, thank God. I think about myself back then, and I think, cool down, Turbo. (laughs) I mean, it's a little over the top, don't you think? Roasting the Samaritans for not having us, it's a little little over the top. Sometimes that old son of thunder comes out, you know, in my letters. That's why I wrote, like I did here, that this Diotrephes who likes to put himself first, who's talking this wicked nonsense about us, and that's why I was so forward. I want to call him out. I want him to see what he's doing. I want Gaius to see what he's doing. And the main thing I wanted Gaius to see is that Diotrephes likes to put himself first. Have you ever, have you ever met someone who likes to put themselves first? Someone who likes to step out first, speak first, be first, always be in the number one spot. Maybe it's a husband or a wife. Maybe it's a friend or a coworker or a pastor. Maybe it's you. I know it it used to be me. I used to always want to put myself first. And really, this 
idea that we want to put ourselves first, it's in all of us, isn't it? It's just pride. It's really the root of all kinds of sin. Pride is at the, at the base of every kind of sin. Pride is just this desire to, to be first, to be priority, to be central, to be number one. Pride is what got Satan cast out of heaven. Pride is what got Adam and Eve tossed out of the garden, right? Pride brought down priests, prophets, and kings in the Old Testament. Pride ruled the Sadducees and the Pharisees when the disciples and, and me and Jesus were, were, were ministering those three years. It just ruled them. Pride caused Pilate to wash his hands of Jesus. Our King Solomon wrote that pride comes before a fall. And then he wrote that there are seven sins that God hates. And number one on that list, pride. Pride is in all of us. Pride is this desire to be first, to be number one. The problem with that is that there is only one number one. There is is only one who can be in that spot. Only one king, only one God, only one priority. And so pride, this desire to put ourselves in that spot, is a desire to usurp the king, to overthrow the one true king to be worshipped as God. It's serious. Pride is serious. Pride is idol worship. It's idolatry where the idol is self. It's me. Pride is idol worship when the idol is you. That's all pride is. It's serious. That's why I'm writing to to Gaius about Diotrephes. It's so serious. I want him to see how serious this pride is that to put yourself first, this desire to put yourself first, it's it's not some small thing. It'll tear up your family. It'll ruin your reputation. It'll ruin the cause of Christ in your life. It's not like, oh, well, Diotrephes just kind of is that way, right? Like, he's just kind of that way. You just kind of got to get used to him. He's just a little brash. He's just a little arrogant. He's just a, he just kind of wants to be first. It's no big deal. Once you get used to it, it's fine. It's not like, oh, well, he just kind of talks that way. He just thinks he's smarter than everybody, and he just wants to be first all the time. Pride, this desire to be first, it's deadly. It's serious. It's idol worship where the idol is you. This wanting to be first. I know a lot about this. I'm not proud of it, but I struggled with wanting to be first all the time when I was with Jesus. I struggled with it all the time. Like there was this one time where Jesus was preaching and he was teaching in a a parable. Jesus loved to teach in parables, which is great for the crowds because they love a story, right? Who doesn't love a story, right? It was great for the crowds, but I'll be honest with you, for us, we had no idea what he was talking about, like most of the time. And so he would preach in these parables, and we'd be like, no idea what you meant. (laughs) And he would have to explain them. Well, there was this one time that he was preaching and teaching and telling this parable. And he told this parable about how there was this guy who hired a bunch of workers 
to work in his vineyard. And he hired these workers all throughout the day at different times, but then he paid them the same. And so he hired some workers first thing in the morning, some midway through the morning, some at noon, some at mid, uh, midway through the afternoon. And some workers he hired just an hour before the workday was over. And they all worked in his vineyard and he paid them all the same. And so at the end of the day, he had them line up and he put the people who worked the least at the front and the people who worked the most at the end of the line. And as they passed by to get their wages, he gave everyone a denarius, one, one denarius. And the people who worked all day were ticked. They got mad and they said, how could you pay the people who worked less than us the same as us? They were offended by this. And the guy in the parable, the boss, just said, what is it to you? I mean, what is it to you? Can I not do what I want with my own money? I mean, we agreed to one denarius this morning when you started, right? I've paid you exactly what I told you I would pay you. What does it matter what I give to them? What is it to you? And then that day, Jesus ended this parable with, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what is mine? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last are first, and the first last. We weren't confused that day. We knew exactly what this parable was about. It was a parable about pride. It was a parable about the pride that would tell us that since we've worked for Jesus longer, since we've been in the kingdom longer, since we've been the chosen people of God longer than others, that we somehow deserve more in the next life, that we somehow deserve more reward for that, that we had earned it, this pride. And Jesus was saying, that's not how it works. No one deserves anything, and all of it's mine. And I can give to whoever I want, whatever I want, whenever I want. I don't need your permission to bless anyone, Jesus was saying. He was saying like he did a bunch, in my kingdom, it's upside down. It's backwards from what you normally think in this world. The first are last, and the last are first. So Jesus gives this awesome teaching on pride, right? But you know what me and my brother James were doing that whole time? We were scheming. We were scheming about how to be first. Sons of thunder, right? I'm not proud of it. But we were so consumed with this idea that that when Jesus came to his kingdom, we were going to be rewarded and, and we'd work so hard and we saw Peter, Mr. On This Rock, I'll build my church, right? Peter the Rock. We saw him getting all the leadership roles and all the accolades and we thought we should be the ones who were in front. And so we started to scheme about how we can be first in the kingdom of God. And so we knew if we went and talked to Jesus ourselves, he just shut us down like he did at the Samaritan village, Right? We knew he'd just shut us down. So we came up with this brilliant idea. You know what we'll do? We'll send our mom to talk to him. Because who's going to say no to moms, right? I mean, who's going to say no to our mom? And so we said, Mom, go talk to him. Ask him this. Can my sons, John and James, can they sit at the left and the right of you in your kingdom? And so our mom, we were like, go, t go talk to him. <laughs> and our mom goes and talks to him, and we stay within earshot, and... 
And Jesus was so gracious to her and to us. He just said, that's not for me to grant. It's the Father's choice. But he did say that we would suffer just like he suffered to get wherever it is that God wants us to get in the kingdom of God. He was so kind to us and so gracious, but the other guys, when they found out about what we had schemed, they weren't so happy. And I don't blame them, but they started to tear into us. They started to, to rebuke us and to get on to us. And they were like, you, he just talked about pride. How could you possibly think this was okay? But really, they just wanted to be first, right? And th- luckily, Jesus walked up at the right time before they whipped us. And he said, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came into the world, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's different in the kingdom of God. Here, to, to be great, you get servants. In the kingdom of God, in here, you get people to serve you. In the kingdom of God, you become a servant, right? To be great, you become a servant. You are a servant. It's backwards in the kingdom of God. It's different. Here, to be first, you got to speak first, get up first, be there first, run faster, talk louder, elbow other people out of the way so that you can be first. In the kingdom of God, though, to be first, you have to be last, To be first, you have to be last. I know a lot about this pride thing. I'm a son of thunder. I know a lot about it. I was there when Jesus asked us what we had been talking about, the disciples had been talking about on the way back from Capernaum. Really, we hadn't been talking. We'd been arguing And we were embarrassed to tell him because, you know what we were talking about? We were talking about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Who would be first in the kingdom of God? When I think about myself back then, I just can't believe I was like that. Jesus said then too, if anyone would be first, he should be last of all and servant of all. I know a lot about the sin of wanting to be first. So I recognize it in diatrophies. I recognize the seriousness of it in diatrophies. Let me just read you what I wrote next um, to Gaius. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I want Gaius to see that what you do, your behavior, it matters. In other words, a person's character uh, and behavior is a byproduct of their relationship with God, whether they know God or not, whether they are following the Father or not. The truth you lead from reveals the God you serve. What you do reveals who you are. Doing confirms being. 
The thing is, doing confirms being. Doing doesn't create being. Doing doesn't get you a relationship with God. Doing doesn't save you. Your behavior does not get you to where God will rescue you. That's not the way it works. The Apostle Paul, before he died, he wrote a lot about that, and he talked about grace a lot, and he explained it so well. It doesn't get you there, but behavior, what you do, absolutely confirms who you already are. It absolutely confirms who you serve, what God you serve in your heart for real when no one else is looking. Your behavior confirms who you are. Doing confirms being. If you're like Diotrephes and you lead like that and you, you put yourself first all the time and you, you take control and you step out and you get the, pro, the, the, the um, accolades and you get all of the position and you get all of the credit for everything and you're all about yourself. If you lead like Diotrephes, then your truth is that you deserve all of that glory and, and that this life is all that there is. So you better grab as much as you can, right? And that truth reveals that the God you serve is you. But if you, if you serve with humility, if you serve in truth, if you serve like Demetrius serves, where you put others above yourself, where you're about God's glory instead of your glory, when you do that, the truth that reveals is that this is not all there is, that this life is not all there is, that there is someone and something greater than you, and it's about them and serving them and that reveals that the God you serve is the one true God of the Bible through Jesus Christ. You see, the truth you lead from reveals the God you serve. And I wanted to give Gaius an example of good to go against Diotrephes. I wanted to give Gaius an example of what is good. And so I wrote that he gets testimonies from everybody that he, he is walking in the truth and he gets testimony from the truth itself. What I mean is that when you stack truth up against, against Demetrius, things are equal, that it makes sense that Demetrius gets this testimony from the truth that he is in fact walking in the truth. I wanted Gaius to see, and maybe you need to see this too, that when you go to be led by someone, when you go to allow someone influence in your life, it might be a good idea to check some references. It might be a good idea to ask other believers who this person is and what their reputation is. It might be a good thing to ask, is this someone I should be following? There are two leaders in this church, right? Two main leaders. Diotrephes and Demetrius. You might not like Diotrephes. God knows I don't like him. But he's a leader. He has influence. Remember I said it's not about if you're going to lead. It's about where you're going to lead. Leadership is influence. And so Diotrephes has chosen to use his influence for, for evil, but he's definitely a leader. And then we've got Demetrius who's leading from truth and humility. So I guess the question I want Gaius to be thinking about and the question maybe you should be thinking about today is, which one are you? Which one are you more like? Are you more like Diotrephes or are you more like Demetrius? If you lead, no matter how many you lead, three or four family members and friends or a network of churches in 
Ephesus, who do you lead more like? Is it Demetrius or Diotrephes? That's the leadership side, but remember I said you need to be careful how you lead and how you're led. So what about the leaders that you're following? Which one of these two are your leaders most like? Someone like Diotrephes who leads out in self-promotion and in control and pride. Are you following someone like that? Or are you following someone who leads in truth and humility like Demetrius? Ah. I pray that Gaius sees that Demetrius is the one he needs to follow. I pray that Gaius sees the evil that Diotrephes is leading from. Do you think he sees it? I pray he does. I pray he does. I got to get down there and talk to him in, per- in person and help him. I, this pen and ink stuff just isn't going to cut it. I know I need to go talk to him. I know I need to be there. In fact, I should write that to him uh, and just get this thing sent. So let me write that down. I had much to write to you. But I would rather not use pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. And to talk face to face. How should I end this? Love John? No. In Christ? Sounds good, but maybe not. Oh, I know. Gaius is in a lot of turmoil right now. and I know about being in turmoil. I know about being in the storm. This is one time... The disciples and I were on the Sea of Galilee. And I'm an accomplished, experienced fisherman. I've been on the Sea of Galilee during a storm. But this storm came up that was just crazy. And the waves were crashing against the boat. And all of this was happening. We were about to sink. And the lightning and the storm and the, the rain and all of that was happening. And it was crazy. And Jesus was sleeping. And I, that dude could sleep through anything. <laughs> And so we grabbed Jesus and we woke him up and we shook him and we said, don't you care about us? We're about to die. And I'll never forget it. Jesus, he got up and he looked around at all the storm and the turmoil and the craziness and he just said, peace, be still. And it wasn't a gradual thing. It wasn't like it took some time to take effect. It was like the wind and the waves and the rain and the storm, they recognized Jesus' voice. And immediately they stopped. Crazy storm, turmoil, just chaos one second and total peace and serenity the next. Jesus had this way of speaking peace into any situation. So that's what I'll write to Gaius. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Say hi. Greet each of the friends by name. I'm not even going to put my name on it because nobody's going to read this just once and then we'll get tossed, right? So I better get this to, to Gaius. Lord, help him see the evil and diatrophies. Help this be of benefit to him.
All right. Well, that was good, wasn't it? Let me just let me just end this way. Thanks to John. Um, let me just end this way. Uh, this whole small fry series, we've talked about a lot and. Uh, standing up and fighting for faith. How do we do that? So difficult. There's so much at stake. Forgiving with love, even when you've been betrayed and beat up and spit on and hurt. And it's not easy, but your eternal destiny hangs in the balance. And this idea that we fellowship in truth, that there is this truth, this narrow door, that truth is not in flux, that our legacy has to be leaving behind children who walk in this truth. And then today about leadership, leading is just having influence and how we've all been given that. We need to lead in truth and humility and be led by the same. A lot to wrestle with, right? A lot to think about. Let me just end the way the Bible writers do in the books we've been reading. Jude, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And then in Philemon, the apostle Paul ends this way. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And then in Third John, peace be to you. So much to think about from this series, so much to do, but don't be confused. Like Jude, I want you to remember that there is only one who is able to keep you from stumbling, only one God and Savior, only one who has dominion and authority. As we end this series, I pray, like the Apostle Paul prayed for Philemon, that the grace of Christ would be with your spirit. Grace just means unmerited favor. It means you get something good that you don't deserve. It means you're able to do something, accomplish something that you shouldn't be able to accomplish because someone who can do it came alongside you and helped you do it, right? That's, that's what grace means. You can't do this stuff. All we've talked about, fighting for faith, forgiving in love, fellowshipping in truth, you can't do any of it. But Christ can. God can. That's grace. Like the Apostle John in 3 John, I say, peace be to you. Don't fret about all this. Don't fret about doing. Instead, find peace in the being. Don't fret about the doing. Instead, find peace in the being. All we've talked about in this series flows from your identity, who you are in Christ. Focus on that on growing closer to him, on learning from him, on being more like him, on worshiping him. When you look at all this stuff we've talked about and you start to feel overwhelmed, I pray that you would find peace. The peace that comes from confidence. Confidence in who you are and confidence in whose you are. There's only one who can accomplish these things. It's Christ. Lean on his grace. Rest in his peace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that is sharper than any double-edged sword that pierces to the depths of our soul. We pray that that's what happened this summer as we went through the Small Fry series, as we went verse by verse 
we pray, God, that those verses, those words, that they would sink deep into our hearts, God, and create faith. I pray for anyone in here who's struggling with pride, who's leading like diatrophies or being led by a diatrophies. I pray, pray in Jesus' name that you would help them with humility, that you would help us to not compromise truth and yet lead with grace, by grace, in grace, founded in that grace that you showed us on the cross. We trust you in that. We love you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Here's my prayer for you. May you lead on purpose instead of by accident. May you lead and be led in truth and in humility. May you seek to be last instead of first. And may you put your trust in the only one who can accomplish any of it, Jesus Christ. Don't miss next week as we start a new series. Baptize a ton of people. It's going to be a big Sunday. You're not going to want to miss it. God bless you. I pray for parents who are worried about kids going to school. I pray for kids who are pumped about going to school or don't want to go. I pray for parents just that you wouldn't get too excited when your kids leave, all right? At least not in front of them. At least not in front of them, all right? God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.